Connor, people probably know this based on the logo to this podcast, but I love purple. Purple looks so good. Like I, I was thinking about it and I'm not sure there is a college football program that sports purple in a big way that I don't think, even if, no matter how I feel about their football team, I'm like, oh, they look good. Like, I think LSU looks great. Be, in purple, big part of that. Uh, Kansas State. Yep. East Carolina. JMU. JMU. Um, like, and, and, and the score we're going to talk about today, TCU. Like, what is it? I don't I don't know anything about color theory. And I'm hoping that you, as a small businessman who thinks a lot about how things look and what people are going to like, like, what is it about purple that that is so appealing to me? If you had to guess the thing that's appealing about purple is that it looks really good. That's what's appealing okay. about. It's just, that's, <laughs> that's it's just that theory. simple. No, I don't. I'm, I'm the marketing side of this thing, baby. Mm, okay. I, I, I so know you don't numbers. know anything as well. Oh, I know nothing. Okay, yeah, good, it's good. great. People ask me aesthetics questions all the time. I'm like, I, no, I, I, that's not me. Uh, no, <laughs> if purple is great though, even Kansas state, like you mentioned, they've really dipped into lavender the last couple of years, which yes. looks nice. Uh, but the, the K state, TCU matchups always look good, even when one has to not wear purple. Yeah, um, yeah. The Big 12 I, championship game was great. I, I think I like it because it's so – it really pops so well. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many blues and reds and to some extent greens, and, and, and lots of these look good as well. But, like, man, every team that sports purple, it just looks great. And, mm-hmm. and TCU, like, you know, on this episode, we talked to people about – the Andy Dalton Rose Bowl and the iconic shot wow, overhead yeah. of the Rose Bowl split half Wisconsin red, half TCU purple. And I'm like, yes, that's that's it. Like, this is I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why, and I should have asked maybe, I don't know why TCU has purple as a primary color, but I think it's a great choice and I just love it. Yeah, it looks they always look so good. All their uniform iterations. I, I always love when we dropped the TCU collection last summer. I that was one that I snagged three or four items from. So you found a alarming number of uh, vintage horned frogs. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's there's uh, I mean, let's I, I'm not going to belabor it, but can we talk about till hell freezes over, then fight them on ice? <laughs> yes. That um, when our team pulled that phrase out, um, that was just the most metal college football phrase uh, I'd heard in a minute where it's just like, one, they're in Texas and they're talking about fighting him on ice. Uh, But that was our I think it was our best selling TCU shirt uh, last year. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to talk out of turn. You know, it's hard to remember the story behind all twenty five hundred items on your website. Yeah. Um, Oh, it was Dutch Meyer who said it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. their coach back in the thirties. Yeah. And so there's already that tie to beyond it just being a really cool phrase. And so that frog in particular, carrying a football um, with a helmet from the time period with the phrase from the time period, really just it's perfect. It, it, I think it really embodies like the TCU ethos of just sort of like, we would, we would love to scrap. And we would love to scrap long after you're dead. We'll come find you in hell and we'll scrap you there. <laughs> that was kind of last season though, right? Where it was yes. every single week, like no one, well, we're going to enjoy this in the end, but it's going to be 58 minutes of just like holding your breath. Right, right, 
right. until TCU does it. Um, before we get to the TCU episode, give us a little sneak peek of what we're what we're expecting from the fine folks at homefieldapparel.com. Yes. So this week at Homefield, we are starting a little mini series in September, calling it the games of the week. And we're just highlighting three or four games every week through the month of September where we have interesting matchups, maybe from a football standpoint, potentially from a rivalry standpoint, or even just, you know, oh, that's silly that that team's playing that team. They never Mm -hmm. play each other. Mm -hmm. So don't get mad at me and say, that's not a good game, Connor. One, I had to plan this two or three months ago. Okay. Uh, So I don't know who was going to be good at football necessarily. And and two, there were other reasons outside of just the football itself. So we're going to be dropping some mini collections for these games two or three pieces we've got jmu troy which that Ooh, one should be really good fun um, both the collections and the game mm-hmm. um, two couple pieces there for each team that are dropping this week we have washington michigan state mm-hmm. which you know former indiana hoosiers quarterback michael Penix. it's the only way i refer to him might throw for 12 touchdowns who knows? We'll see. Uh, maybe Sparty uh, puts up the fight there, but drop in uh, some Michigan State and Washington stuff. Tulane, Southern Miss. Excited to Ooh, that's very be good. back into yeah. both of those. We haven't dropped some Southern Miss stuff in a long time. And so really excited to uh, add a few more vintage logos that we hadn't been able to use previously for Southern Miss. And Tulane's always a good time. And then finally, Pitt, West Virginia. Um, they play this rivalry game, I've heard. And so we're going to be dropping items for both of them and see who gets more mad um, at us dropping the rivals collection on the same day. The answer is everyone, everyone in the Pitt West Virginia game, like backyard brawl is probably the most aptly named. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've seen some, good. some really horrendous things uh, in our mentions every time we drop Pitt stuff or West Virginia, you know, vice versa. It's, it's really good from people that normally behave themselves mm-hmm. online too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why we love college sports. Um, I can't promise that the three guests we have today behave themselves online. In fact, I know for a fact that some of them don't, but they all behave themselves very nicely talking to me about what it's like to root for TCU football. And here they are. My name is Joel Anderson. Uh, I graduated from TCU in 2000. I played on the football team there very briefly. Uh, And I am currently a writer and podcast host at Slate. Uh, I also was the host of the Slow Burn uh, podcast series, uh, the most recent being season eight on Becoming Justice Clarence Thomas. Hi, my name is Grant McGalliard. I'm the co-host of the Purple Theory podcast covering TCU and the Big 12. I am a 2016 alumnus of TCU. My family ties with the university go back to when my grandmother was a student there in the late 1950s. She did not graduate, but she did date Bob Lilly former Hall of Famer and Dallas Cowboy. Uh, so that is my connection to TCU. I've covered the Horn Frogs for the Dallas Morning News, for SB Nation's Frogs of War, for the short-lived but much-beloved Big 12 diehards. And now uh, Parker Fleming and I do the Purple Theory Podcast. Hello, I'm Melissa Trebosser, uh TCU alum, class of 19... 19- <clears throat> Oh, sorry, a little cough there. Um, I am a proud alum. I have covered TCU athletics for the last decade as a media member, most recently for Dave Campbell's Texas Football as a member of the Frogs Insider podcast on Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast network. All right, so I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off just at the start. How does the Colorado loss fit into the overall arc 
of being a TCU fan? I will say for me personally, doesn't mean a daggum thing, okay. Ryan. Uh, it, it, so it, it, if you read the tea leaves, it was not something that was a major surprise. TCU lost a lot of talent, all that. This is not an analytics podcast, but TCU, like, there's a reason TCU lost that game. I think everyone's still riding the high of last season and getting our, if I'm allowed to swear, our asses kicked by Georgia last year was not great, uh, but also probably brought everyone's expectations down a little bit to reality. So losing to Colorado wasn't fun. We did not want to encourage the Dion, sorry, Coach Prime, as Gus Johnson called him the entire time. Not that I'm bitter about that or anything. Uh, did not want to further that narrative, but there we are. It, it, it sucked, but... Whatever, we're kind of used to it. I mean, honestly, perfectly. Um, I, I, I feel like it, like the overriding feeling on Saturday in Fort Worth that I was at the game on that 130 degree field was like, well, yes, of course, right? Because TCU is a program that has had like a lot of really nice things, mm-hmm. but when you get something really nice, it's generally followed by extraordinary pain and suffering. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys could hear what I said, what year that I graduated. Um, but, um, my freshman year at TCU, we were one in 10. Like I'm, I'm old enough that we didn't used to play 12 games in a season. Right. Right, So our only win was SMU. We tore down the goalposts and for our efforts got pepper sprayed. So like that's, (laughs) that is how far back I go, which is TCU pain. Um, You think back to the year they beat Oklahoma in 2005 and then followed it up with, you know, just a really stupid loss to SMU. Um, You think about the year in 2009 going undefeated only to get um, placed in the also Rans bowl against Boise state of, Oh, here's the two best teams we think are cute, but don't deserve the national stage. They lose that game because the fake punt, it's always a fake punt um, or Travis Hunter. It's one of the two things apparently. (laughs) Um, And and then even, you know, in the 2014 year, you, you had to, you had that great start and you follow it with 61 58. And then in 2015, literally the entire starting lineup on both sides of the ball gets injured and so you know anytime it looks like something special is about to happen um just reality reality comes and checks you and saturday was kind of like a oh no shoot we're still tcu Mm, okay you know you get so close and and you experience and even the national championship games you want to go that was like a oh no we're still tcu like we're cute and we're fun and we're consistently good but we don't get to be that program that is the Georgia's, the Alabama, even the Michigan. Like people right. are still talking about Michigan. Who cares that TCU beat Michigan? No, Michigan is still the darling and the one that's reloading. TCU is the one that's rebuilding. And then on Saturday, that kind of comes to roost. Okay. You're not the stepsister, but you're also not Cinderella getting the slipper. Yeah. We're, like, we're... Like if there's like there's the ugly stepsister, but then there's the other stepsister, and no one talks about her because she's right. not the ugliest, but right. she's also not the princess. Yeah, like that's TCU. Okay. We're like we're like the other one. We're okay. the middle child. Okay, we are absolutely the middle child in college football. <laughs> other than expecting disappointment that will materialize ultimately, <laughs> uh, you know. It's it's funny because I remember going into the game. Everybody was like, "Well, TCU is probably going to blow them out. Colorado's not very good. Nobody they've never we've never seen a team like this." And I'm like, "Did you see TCU play last year? Um, even in the national champion, even in the national championship year, Colorado was theoretically the worst P5 team in the country last year. They it wasn't an impressive win in week one, but okay, we can allow that." 
you know, the Chandler Moore is then the starting quarterback gets hurt. Right, fine. Um, but, I mean, other than Tarleton State and Iowa State last year, they never imposed their will on anybody. I'm like, how, how do you – how do we know how good they're going to be? They didn't. They made bad teams look good last year too, even on their way to the national championship game. <laughs> so how do we know that they're just going to blow out this Colorado team that nobody really has tape on? So as the game unfolded, and I have to admit, I uh, I'm the parent of a young toddler, so I, I wasn't paying attention when I made swimming lessons for my son. Uh-huh, so sure. that happened at nine o'clock Pacific time. I missed the opening kickoff, not even thinking that I have to worry about this game really, because it's kind of in the back of my mind, even though. I, I'm like, it may be close, but I'm sure we'll win. And then it's like, oh, halftime. It's time. <laughs> okay. I'm sure they'll make some adjustments. This is the old TCU thing, and we'll pull away. And then, you know, I get home, and it's just a nightmare. So that's kind of – I'm not going to say – I'm not going to pretend that TCU is a bad football program, that there's not been moments of joy. But there's just always this fear that we're going to get exposed eventually, right? Like, there's always sort of the fear that, okay – you know, this has been a nice little story where the little private school that could, but eventually somebody is going to humble us in an embarrassing way. Uh, is, and uh, hmm. is that is that fear? Is that new since TCU joined joined the Big Twelve or rejoined the Southwest? However you want to phrase it, like to me, there's sort of two versions of TCU. There's yep. Whack Mountain West, like <laughs> super strong mid major, more or less. Like the team, right. you know, the kind of Boise State team where you're like, you don't want to play them. You right. do not want to play them. And then there's the Big 12 version, which is they're good, they're not great, they're not dominant, and and they they exist sort of in that like middle class. Do you or do you TCU fans writ large sort of identify more strongly with TCU is the Mountain West version or the Big 12 version at this point? That's interesting. I, You know, I think that most TCU fans identify with the tail end of the Group of Five era. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that those are the people that grew up with the team and they saw them win the Rose Bowl and they saw them be, you know, this giant slayer, right? Um, and it's taken us, so, like being in the Big 12, you know, just like, what do they say about, people americans they think that they're temporarily you know temporarily embarrassed rich people or something like that uh, (laughs) and so i think that people were like oh when coach p is having this this bad run of a season oh we're going to get back on top no problem Mm -hmm. we'll be right up there top 10 no no problem and because i'm older i'm a southwest conference fan i tend to identify more with even pre like I'm, I'm thinking of like LT era. Like, oh, yeah. this is all very tenuous. Like, we beat USC in the Sun Bowl in 1998. This is a big deal. I can't believe we beat USC. Um, I, I don't think of us as a national power at all. But I also don't. I think that we're, you know, the 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 team that went, you know, six and six or whatever during those Gary Patterson years. I'm just like, well. I guess I'm kind of getting used to the idea that we're just going to be sort of a middle of the road Big 12 team. But for the most part, I'm I'm the person that's like, I want us to hold on to that era when, you know, when, you know, when we were really, really great. But I just, I know that it's not, I know that nothing is given to us, that it won't last long. There's nothing stopping us from being SMU again. I would point to the 2014 season when TCU was quote unquote left out of the playoff. And I would point to the fact that every TCU fan was like, nope, we're not like those weirdos. We're a big conference now and you can't say mean things about us. Um, they, it, it, for the most part, TCU has immediately moved into, yeah, we're in the Big 12. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there was a lot of, hey, we're being disrespected. Um, you know, for example, up against Michigan, right, where it's, hey, Michigan power program, long history, out of a big conference. And TCU's like, well, cool. We're at, like, we're out of a big conference. We're in the Big 12. And unlike a lot of these other freaks, we play defense. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so... The- <laughs> And, and and Gary Patterson, to his credit, built that identity while also maintaining a bit of the underdog, mm-hmm. right? So there's um, there's an old quote, and I can't remember, I think it's Daryl K. Royal, who said that TCU was basically cockroaches. Right? I think he compared us to cockroaches. Fine, whatever. But Gary kept that while also being like, no, we deserve to be bigger. Mm-hmm. And TCU deserves to be in this national conversation. And so because TCU has had that, Hey, look at us. We're really good. Once TCU moved to a Power Five program, we immediately left the G5 mentality behind and said, "Nope, we're here now." I'm going to answer why not both. Okay. Right? Why not both? And and the reason being is I think, you know, at the end of the day, TCU is one of the two or three smallest universities in the Power Five, Power Four, or whatever skeleton. Whatever of, it of ends up being. Football. Right. Yeah, we yes. have, right? Um one of the smallest enrollments. We just this year uh Cross the 100,000 living alumni barrier. So just like just now. So that's a, that's a big deal, right? Like that's one of the kind of the things like, oh, now you're like a real university. Congratulations. So even though TC has been around for well over 100, 150 years, this mm-hmm. is our sequicentennial. I'm you, really if, smart. You, you said it really confidently, dumb. so I believe yeah. in you. I, I, I'm glad you thought that was confidence. Um, I'm such a great BSer. I learned that at TCU. <laughs> but um, it, it's I think that most TC fans of a certain age, like those of us that predate the Big 12 invite, mm-hmm. are always going to feel like the best version of TCU to a degree was the Mountain West version, right? right. Because just dominated. And that was a really good Mountain West conference. Like mm-hmm. people that want to say TCU came from Utah, yep. BYU, consistently yep. ranked. Um, yep. Boise State got a late invite right as TCU was on its way out. Good San Air Diego Force State. teams, I want to say. Air Force, well, not, I don't know if good, but like, can okay. I curse on this? Yeah. Pain in the ass, okay. right? Like, God bless our military, <laughs> support the troops, but, like, no Annoying Air to play. Force teams. Annoying yes. as hell, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, it, like, just this, like, the like that sonic boom just constantly, that that, that was their run game. It was mm-hmm. just absolutely awful to deal with, and the elements, like, all the things. So, um, but it was a really fun conference. It was a really good conference. And even now, like, TCU comes into the Big 12. They have that, it's a shared title. Right, like I have a shared yes, title. Right. Then, then they have the best season in the program history, but they don't win the they Big Twelve right, championship. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. And and then right as like TCU, like oh, this can be something. Then Texas and OU are like, bye bye, you're mid major <laughs> conference now. And and while the Big Twelve is still like a really, it's it's going to be one of the most entertaining Power Five, Power Four, Power Three and a half conferences. You know, from top to bottom, there's not a school in that in that league that you're going to look at and say, oh, here's your flagship, here's your blue blood, here's the national power, here's the team that's always going to be mentioned you know amongst the greats like that's gone now and so that does kind of lose a certain cachet but again that fits perfectly with with the tcu fans like modus operandus because mm-hmm. we want to be a little bit of that plucky underdog we want to be the team that you're talking crap about because you're secretly scared of them you know and when gordon gee called them the little sisters of the poor we ate that up man like we were all like yeah yeah that's who you think we are we're gonna be the team with less resources and less five-star recruits or no if we still have yet to sign a five-star recruit out of high school um and we're gonna just come and we're gonna show up and we're gonna kick your butt and that has so consistently been the tcu model now that feels like it's changing a little bit obviously the resources of the power five the 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 opportunity to make tcu a national brand 
um, with the the run to the national championship game, the fact that they're anticipating something like 30,000 applications this year, the fact that my students can't get into TCU mm-hmm. anymore out of my really good college prep school, like all of these things kind of make it feel more like a big dog. But then you go and you get it handed to you by Georgia. And then you go and you lose as a three touchdown favorite to Deion Sanders, not to Colorado, to Deion Sanders and maybe Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. Okay, I'll give it to them. But but yeah, and it's like, oh, God, it's we're 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 right back where we belong. But I I think that chip on the shoulders when TCU is that best. Sonny Dykes is not a chip on your shoulder coach. Gary Patterson absolutely was. So I think that that dichotomy is going to be interesting to unpack over the next two, three seasons and, and to see if that can work. Um, but I, all, and then again, because I'm old, I'm always going to feel like we are the team that crawled out of the whack right. to get the invite that like, you know, we, of a certain age, all of us fans were bawling when they said, welcome home mm-hmm. to TCU mm-hmm. in July of 2012, right? Like, so, so that's kind of how I always associate it. I still don't think of TCU as one of these like rich, powerful universities, even though they very clearly are a very wealthy and powerful university. I think that the mentality though is still, we're fighting upstream against everybody else. How much has that changed or remained the same based on last season, going to the playoff, beating Michigan? Like, did that reset expectations in any meaningful way for TCU fans? Oh, absolutely. Um, for for the young ones, for the okay. kids, the the ones that haven't experienced real pain. Uh-huh. You know, like anybody that that became a TCU fan or a TCU student post Big Twelve invite, and really even post that first year in the Big Twelve, they don't understand the pain. They don't understand the suffering. They don't know what it's like to to you know have a, a pass be thrown three feet short of the receiver on fourth down against SMU a week after you beat Oklahoma in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. You know they mm-hmm. don't they don't know the quarterback tree. You know that everything that that wasn't you know Andy Dalton or. Kenny Hill, even, I mean, like this, the, the suffering, the suffering that we've experienced <laughs> this TCU fan and still won games. Yes. I mean, I, I can remember it. And, and again, I, I'm old. I was a contemporary with LaDainian Tomlinson. I got to be at TCU when he was playing and, you know, he was going to carry it 47 times a game. We were going to attempt three passes. Part of that was because LT was LT, but a lot of that was because the dude that was playing quarterback was also in my acting class. And like, <laughs> and I don't want to typecast here, but <laughs> there's just a lot happening Uh that a lot so so, and and i've kind of i've lost i've lost the mark here but like at at the end of the day most of the young people are going to kind of think hey we made that run why don't we always make that this is a line that that is going up so it should continue to go it's an upward trajectory and and again i think it's common sense to think when you look at the landscape of the quote-unquote new big 12 TCU has everything in place to be the flagship program for that conference. Right. They've got the recruiting base. They've got the resources. They've got the cachet. They've got the national. TCU is a very well-known university now. And, and I think that goes back to the Rose Bowl. But they should naturally step into it. But I think the difference between those of us that have been around a while and that n- younger generation of fans is that there's they expect it and they think it's it's granted and given to them while we know how hard it is to continue that level of success. Um, should TCU be a regular invite to a 12-team college football playoff? I, I mean, regular, yeah, if you if you think every every three to four years, they should be in the mix for that. Um, did do, Were there TCU fans that thought we were gonna start 12-0 and 0 again this year? Yeah, were those fans stupid? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, but that, I mean, but that's, it, confidence is a dangerous drug. Sure. It is a, dangerous drug and when you have the run that tcu made it's really easy to forget 
how many balls had to bounce your way, how great Quentin Johnston was, how much of a like unshakable force Max Duggan was in the most unlikeliest of, of scenarios. And then, oh yeah, we also had the Thorpe Award winner in mm-hmm. the secondary. You think right. we missed him on Saturday? Right. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I think a little bit, just because it did show that TCU could unlock the potential within the program, right? So like, people don't like to talk about this, but TCU has the third best recruiting like platform in the Big 12 for the last decade. Like they have always had the third most talented roster behind Oklahoma and Texas. And so the sort of unsaid, but kind of widely acknowledged thing within TCU fans is that, yeah, Gary is probably holding us back. Mm-hmm. So was it wild that Sonny Dykes kind of unlocked that in its first year? Absolutely. Did TCU fans get a bit over their skis and start talking a lot of uh, crap that they should not have been talking? Absolutely. But it, it didn't really reset expectations. It was just more of like a, hey, we're finally here. Well, there's a couple of ways you can look at it. One, I think there are a lot of people that we weren't sure how good TCU was going to be, right? And the people say, well, they've got all the elements in place. They're in this big metro area, one of the best for high school football in the country. Um all they need to do is tap into that. We get somebody that's going to re- reinvigorate the, cr- the program. And this is like, you know, competing with the Michigans, beating Texas. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and I, I, I totally, you know, I, all year I was skeptical. Like, I mean, this last year I was the guy that was like, I don't know about the Sonny Dykes dude, man. I'm sorry. Like, you know, it, even if we're, even as we're, kicking that ridiculous field goal against Baylor. I'm like, come on, man. We know that this is bullshit, right? You know what I mean? Like, we, we've not imposed our will on anybody all year but Tarleton State. Why do you guys think that, you know, um, we're, we're dominant now, that we should be here? And I mean, I, I, I thought that we should have made the playoffs, but if you ask me if you lined us up, as a realistic college football fan, mm-hmm. if I had to be, like, on a neutral field, would we be Florida State of 2022? I'd probably put my money on Florida State, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So that's the way I feel, but I think that Fans at large think that last year was sort of the platonic ideal of what the TCU football program should be, that we should be right up there. We, there's no reason we can't compete. We've got the money. We're in the, the, recru- the recruiting ground, and now we need the coach to kind of firm things up. But, um, yeah, man, I don't. those people are young. I'm old. <laughs> and I'm curious, what is TCU's place in the priorities or Ooh. the emotional stakes that the Metroplex – puts into the variety of sports that it follows, cares about funds, whatever. So when I was in college, uh, the the Dallas Morning News used to be a really big, robust newspaper, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the largest, best in the country. And so it was like the Cowboys, uh, University of Texas, you know, maybe the Mavericks and the Rangers, Texas A&M, and then there's a whole cohort of tech and OU fans there. and then, you know, like I felt like maybe there was a little bit of TCU coverage in the DFW, but, it, you know, it's a tertiary program. It's somebody yeah. that, you know, oh, I'm in town. It's good to hear about the local team doing well, but it's certainly not at the top of mind um, for anybody there. And I mean, you know, I mean, that's fine. I mean, we're a small community, don't have very many alums. Uh, we couldn't fill out like the Michigan Stadium or anything like that. But right. um, yeah, I, it's just. Yeah, I mean, we're a small school. This is, you know, unless you're there, unless you have a connection to it, there's no reason for somebody in like Keller, Texas, to give a shit about what we're doing in, in Fort Worth. Is there a difference between how Fort Worth feels about TCU and how Dallas feels about <laughs> TCU? 
Uh, a little bit. I think the TCU has done a really good job, and, and we've done a really good job of making ourselves more part of the community in Fort mm-hmm. Worth. I don't feel like that was there when I first got there in 96. Um, but it's still, I mean, it's like depending on what part of Fort Worth you're talking about, right? You know, and I mean, definitely in the area around the school, it feels much more enmeshed with the community. Outside of that, I mean, it's still Cowboys all day, UT or A&M all day. I just, you know, I, you know, it ain't like you can go over off uh, Rosedale and see people in a lot of TCU shirts, you know? Oh, uh, there's the Cowboys. And then there's about 50 miles of nothing. And then there's Luka Doncic. And then eventually you hit TCU. Um, so TCU, it, there's only like, I think, 8,000, 9,000 undergrads at TCU. It's the, I want to say the second or third smallest P5 school. Uh, it's like us, Wake, and Vanderbilt. And TCU has, has made a lot of inroads in marketing in Fort Worth and Dallas. A lot of billboards, a lot of, hey, this is our town, yada, yada. And I think the, especially the Fort Worth side of the Metroplex, really got behind TCU last year when the Frogs are making a run of the playoff, all that. But there is a divide, and people don't take it into consideration between Fort Worth and Dallas. People in Fort Worth freaking hate Dallas. They're bad people. They're not good. (laughs) (laughs) They're spoiled. We don't like them. And all my friends moved there after graduation, which is very funny, and immediately became Dallas people. But there there is a divide. And so SMU has tried to claim Dallas. And TCU has tried to be, what's the hashtag? DFW's P5 school. Well, now SMU is joining the P5. And now... TCU doesn't really have a handle on that moniker. So it's going to be tough. There's not as much of a unification around TCU as I, th- I think the administration would like there to be in the in the metro. There's a little restaurant off of uh, one of the main streets in, in Fort Worth called Yogi's Bagels. And Yogi's Bagels in the late 90s, early 2000s is where a lot of the most important business of Fort Worth went down. And I cannot remember the name of the mayor right now, and I'm a really bad um, former Fort Worth resident for that. But um, TCU and, and Fort Worth operated as separate entities for a really, really long time. And uh, TC, Fort Worth didn't care about, about TCU and, and, and TCU wasn't interested in, I think they wanted that symbiotic relationship, but they, they didn't know how to go about getting it. Well, at Yogi, at the story goes, the lore goes at Yogi's Bagels back in, and right as TCU was starting to have some success and Gary Patterson was getting the thing rolling, he sat down with the mayor and he said, you know, we, we need to be, and, and I think also the chancellor at the time was there, we need to be Fort Worth school. Mm-hmm. Like TCU needs to belong to Fort Worth and Fort Worth needs to, to be a part of TCU. And from that moment, everything changed. And, you know, as somebody that was that was a student in the late 90s, TCU's campus could not look more different today than it did back then. Um, they charge a lot of money, but you can see where the money's going, which is which is really nice. Um, but the entire city has really adopted um, TCU as its own. That is the hometown team. And even though Fort Worth has a lot of things pulling for people's attention and it, it's a really, it's a really great town. Like I do miss Fort Worth a ton. Um, but it, it's, it's, there's a lot to do. There's a, there's a great food scene. There's a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of options as when TCU is successful, the city is a hundred percent behind the university when they're less successful. I mean, you can see it in the stands. Like yep. people still want to be a part of the scene of a Saturday. They're not necessarily as interested in the football. Um, or when it's 120 and TCU is coming off of a four and eight season, right. like it's not. Yeah, people aren't really willing to suffer for it. Um, 
But I, I think that's bled into the Metroplex as a whole, especially as SMU had, had been, for the most part of TCU's run, a complete non-entity mm-hmm. um, in their little crackerjack uh, high school stadium. Again, I'm just... <laughs> Like, I, like, part of me is hoping you're going to cut all this, but the part of me is like, I want the smoke. Like, I'm mad. Um, I know SMU just paid its way into the ACC. It's so cute. I'm so happy for that. I, I, I tweeted about this, but I was at dinner after the game Saturday up, up about 30 miles from, from SMU's campus, and there was a table, and they were UNT fans, which mm-hmm. I also didn't know they had fans, but it was awesome that they did. And this whole, like, UNT table, and they're talking about realignment, and they're going, yeah, and the ACC, they just brought in, it was, uh, it was Stanford. Cal and I think I think the other team was Washington and I'm like we are 30 miles we are 30 miles from and uh, so of course I tweeted about it because again like I'm mad so I want to bring sure. someone else down sure. with me um and all this like, oh, that didn't happen that's not real blah 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 and I'm like why would I make it up like it's too perfect not to share um so yeah so I, I think and that's why it sucks that the Iron Skillet rivalry is is going away or at least getting paused is because SMU's finally kind of gotten a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. They're sitting on stacks of, uh, you know, like gold coins and doubloons and all of the things, right, to get there, but they're there. And so they think that they're automatically even with TCU as far as importance in the region. And they don't think they realize how hard it's going to be to kind of make yourself matter in DFW. Um, TCU, I, Dallas... People love TCU. Fort Worth people love TCU. Um, you know, there's a subset that obviously super invested in SMU. There's obviously a lot of alum from other, you know, conferences because once you graduate, why would you ever stay in College Station or Lubbock? I, again, I'm just going to take everybody <laughs> down. But whenever these opposing schools are like, oh, we have so many fans, our fans fill your stadium. I'm like, yeah, it's because they can't stay in your college they don't town want to live in Waco forever. Yeah, yeah. Unless sure. Chip and Joanna, I guess, are helping them find it. But that's a whole separate Yeah, thing. but that's a whole that's, that's a whole, whole other age. Yeah. If you can't work at the silo, then I don't know what you do. But but yeah, so it, it's it's kind of one of those things like TCU is is so attractive for so many reasons. Um and, and I think it's it's a, become a place that um, you know, a lot of North Texas has a lot of love for. Obviously you're still competing against AM in Texas. Right. So, you know, like mo- there are most there are so many t shirt fans in the state, but uh, I think most people would say TCU is their second team okay. in the state if, if they don't have a direct connection and if they don't have a Texas team to root for, it's often their number one. So you've kind of peeled at it a little bit here, but let's talk about the TCU-SMU relationship. I think most oh, people, because this know that this is a rivalry game, it's a trophy game, and I don't think we necessarily have a ton that we associate with it otherwise, because to your point... I, it's been a long time since TCU and SMU have both been good at the same time since this has been a game that sort of you're like, oh, this has like huge national stakes or whatever. And TCU has had so many other interesting like wars going on with, I think mm-hmm. most people say, oh, Baylor, Baylor's the school yeah. that, you know, TCU has. The most and Texas Tech. Of. Yes. Texas Tech is a great example. Texas has had plenty of like static with TCU. Well, as well. it's not much of a rivalry because Texas could never beat TCU, <laughs> but like, but like they, they try, like, they, sure. I mean, I, they'll say that we circle them on, on their, our schedule every year, but why, why do we care? It's a given that we're going to win. So I even think we're going to beat them this year. <laughs> but what, what makes the SMU TCU relationship special? Is is it the geography, or is there more to it than that? It's a, on some level, it's the same thing that makes the Baylor TCU rivalry so important. It's because we it's the Spider Man meme. Mm-hmm. We're just pointing at the same dude. 
Like, it's the same school. Like, SMU is probably a little bit, not probably, SMU is, is unequivocally a little bit better academically, mm. right? Like, they're, the, TCU is, is strong in a lot of areas, but SMU overall is going to be the higher ranked school annually, right? SMU is a little bit more expensive. Yep. SMU is Highland Park, which is like one of the, if you aren't familiar with the state of Texas, it is the the rich of the rich. It is the to- hoity-toityest mm-hmm. place in, in North Texas, if not the entire state. TCU is Fort Worth, and it's dirt in your boots and cowboy hats while they also charge 70 grand a year for tuition but it's fine that doesn't matter um they could not be more polar opposite and yet the exactly the same the kid that goes to smu is the same kid that goes to tcu for the most part maybe they just have a little bit more in their trust fund like that's that's the main difference um but but the reason that that rivalry has been so good is because smu has been so bad and tcu has gotten everything that smu wanted like they can sit there and tell us how excited they are and how the acc was always their desire and their choice and how they're part of the third strongest conference in the country but they have been so thirsty to get an invite for the big 12. i mean i cannot imagine the late night dms that brett yormark was getting from smu contingents um i only for the smu people only like send me dms like that are stfu so um but i get a lot of those too it's great so yeah i mean it's it's these two schools for such a long time, we're running parallel paths. Mm-hmm. And the only difference was, is, is when SMU got caught cheating, they were good. And when TCU got caught cheating, they were bad. So <laughs> they were very bad. So SMU got the death penalty yeah. and TCU was like, we've been in the death penalty for the last <laughs> we 12 live, years. We live here. <laughs> yeah. So we don't like, it's not going to change us, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, they were cheating almost as bad. SMU just cheated with more flash because sure. Highland Park versus Fort Worth. Right. 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 Tra- um, that's, that's how you get gold trans ams. That's so. how you get gold trans ams. Yeah, yeah. You don't see a lot of gold trans ams in Fort Worth, you know, but you see a ton of them <laughs> in Highland Park in the eighties and nineties. So, so yeah. So, so TCU got everything that was supposed to belong to SMU and then got all the success that SMU thought was their birthright. And I think that that has, and then they've been chasing little old TCU and little old Fort Worth and the dirty boots in the stockyards. And that is never SMU's lot in life was never to chase after someone they thought was lesser than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, now you throw in the fact that, you know, like TCU just dominated the rivalry for 20 years, but SMU won the last two. And all of a sudden, and now TCU's like, yeah, we don't really want to do this anymore. And all of a sudden, now they have something to hold over TCU fans' heads. Um, and, and all we have is is a just long, illustrious history of having way more success than them. Um, and and just, you know, getting better recruits and, and getting invited to the Power Five and doing more with our money for facilities. And just, I mean, just the minor things. Small so things, you guys, yeah. yeah, hold up your Princeton Review rankings. Super happy for you guys. Um, we'll just take all of our rings like and it's completely and totally fine so it's it's fun and it's a great rivalry and it's it's again like the differences between the two universities could not be more stark and the similarities could not be more similar so it's <laughs> it's it's I, i'm i'm bummed and and the funny thing is is sunny dykes really reignited this rivalry sure. when he was coaching at smu because it was his little mimi frying up frog legs in the skillet video that got tcu fans caring again and now oh also i, I guess i should mention the fact that SMU lost their coach to TCU and then SMU went and bought two of T- like TCU's top returning receiver and so, I mean bought, I, I mean re- properly recruited out of the portal um <laughs> he has a department in Midtown weird um so you know it, it's it, it's kind of feeling like the old Southwest Conference days There's, yes. and it's only going to get better and worse when SMU becomes a member of the ACC TCU even despite changes to the student body has always kind of maintained a let's call it a more western 
um, approach, right? Where yeah. it's, hey, you know, we have the stockyards in Fort Worth. We have, you know, the uh, the cowboys that are on the uh, on the side of football games. And SMU has always sort of been the, um, it, which is really cool sometimes, the, you know, the high-flying, flashy, um, gold Trans Am city boys. And that kind of mirrors the Fort Worth Dallas uh, approach. TCU, again, has kind of lost a little bit of, of that identity, thanks to the California and the Colorado kids, but they still try to maintain it. And it's tough when, look, look at the TCU student body. We don't get to be the West anymore. We're, we're, we're just as, you know, as city boys as SMU is, but we try. Is it is it easy to find, like, those points of friction with SMU still? Despite the similarities that you're describing? A little. A lot of TCU fans don't want to play the TCU SMU yeah. game anymore. They, they, they're like, okay, it, it they're okay like, a, like, pausing the skillet or whatever for a bit. Yes. Yeah. It, it feels like a natural rivalry. And this opinion was formed before SMU joined a Power 5. But it was sort of like, okay, there's nothing to gain for TCU to play the Iron Skillet. We're playing a G5 team. It's their Super Bowl, I guess, would be the... Uh, uh, the phrase, but if TCU loses, that's awful. We've just lost to a, a mediocre G5 team, and if TCU wins, okay, you just beat a G5 team. Right Now, SMU joined the P5. I think there's still a lot of merit to keeping that rivalry alive, but um, a lot of TCU fans are kind of tired of it because it, it was a no-win situation. I'm trying to think. Would it be? Would it be like Texas and Arkansas? Okay. Um, in a way. Well, you know, like, Texas – doesn't really care about Arkansas. Like they acknowledge them sort of as a rival, but they don't think of them as equals. And I think that's the TCU SMU thing for now. Um, I mean, to be honest, and I would be curious to hear what the, uh, the other TCU guests said, but TCU fans certainly care much more about Baylor and TCU. I'm sorry, Baylor and Texas. And I don't know. I, maybe, maybe Texas Tech, Texas Tech depending on the week. Maybe yeah. Texas Tech, yeah, depending yeah. on how you feel, blah, blah, blah. But like, we don't want to have to care about SMU because caring about SMU is caring about your little brother. You know what I mean? At this point, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to diss SMU, but y'all know what y'all are. You know you know how bad y'all are. You know what has happened the last 30 years in this, in this rivalry. Um, it's not anything. I mean, into, you know, if we're all in the Metroplex, and we're all amongst each other. Yes, we might we hate each other. There's a lot of enmity, you know, a lot of jokes and so on and so forth. But I think once you get away from that and you're just a TCU fan living in California like I am, I don't give, I don't give a shit about SMU, man. I mean, go ahead. Good for them. I'm glad they made it to the ACC. <laughs> but I, there's just there's not anywhere near the passion or the hatred that that we can gen up for Baylor or Texas. I think mm-hmm. um, it just it's just not going to be like that. Like maybe if SMU gets good again, maybe if TCU goes through a long down period or whatever, then maybe it'll build back up. But it's just energy's really not there right now. It's all coming from them. Is there is there like a meaningful cultural difference between SMU <laughs> and TCU that you can that you can lay out for us? Can, can I tell you? So I um I was down to SMU and TCU. Okay. Um, and, and, and coming out of high school, which is embarrassing to mention. Like, why didn't I? This whole but um you know I think that. TCU feels a little more loose. Okay. You know, like SMU, I mean, I'm not to, you know, lean into stereotype or whatever, but SMU is a little more Highland Park, buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, meet me down at the country club, whatever. A and little more dad's money. Yeah. A little more dad's money. And TCU is yeah. more like, I'll catch you at the, at the, at the, uh, 
at the golf course, not the country club. I'll meet you mm-hmm. at the public golf course, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe we'll meet you down at the stockyards and we'll have a steak or something. You know, I guess I, I'm trying to say that we're real America, right? Uh, <laughs> is, is real America, and you know, SMU is this cohort of elites uh and people that are unaccountable to the public domain and that you know so i think that's probably what i'm trying to say okay what is the overall fan base relationship or feelings towards gary patterson at this point because you know lots of schools have had beloved former coach kind of like fizzle out or doesn't the magic doesn't work the same way it does sometimes you that that can be uh surprisingly i think gentle and warm virginia tech's a good example of that mm-hmm. like nobody's mad at frank beamer frank beamer can show up to any virginia tech game and he's in a good place florida state with bobby bowden it like got a little bit tense and it sort of felt like he was being pushed off before he was ready to go but ultimately he just was done with gary you have somebody who is was so synonymous with tcu football for so long and who not only was effectively pushed out but hasn't left, but hasn't sort of said like, I'm just going to go do television. I'm just going to go, you know, fish and enjoy retirement, like is very clearly still active. So what does that relationship look like given that sort of strange in-between status that he has right now? I think it's, it's complicated, right? Like if, if we still did Facebook relationship statuses, like it, it would, it would very, very firmly be in that it's complicated. Something um, young TCU fans really won't understand. Yeah. And then we're going to poke him just so that he knows that we're still paying attention. Uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Um, and, and I'm like, I'm also like terrified he's going to listen to this. And so I like have to be careful because Gary, Gary will tell you he listens, to, he doesn't read anything. He doesn't listen to anything. And then he will DM you and complain about something you said. Like it's some innocuous <laughs> podcast. And and like, I don't know this from personal experience. I 100% know this from personal experience. Um, Like I can write some like one little line about not liking the way the offensive line was playing. And, you know, I wake up and I have a 3 a.m. DM and it's Gary like, I've been loyal to this guy for 150 years. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Apologize. Um, he's been really good to me over the years, so like I don't have a problem with him. But I, I, I know I, I've heard more stories than mine. Um, yeah. The dude has a statue mm-hmm. in front of the stadium, and he still has a statue, and he's always going to have a statue. And and that like I, I think that's a good reminder of the fact that that for for his flaws, of which like all of us, there are many. There's a reason that man was given a statue while he was still alive and yeah. while he was still coaching at yep. TCU. Yep. And TCU is not reaping the rewards of being at a Power Five conference if it wasn't for what he built. Um, I think that people were disappointed in how he left. You know, there's always two sides to the story, and you're going to hear it different from his camp than you are from TCU's camp. Um, so whether, whether or not he was extended an olive branch, whether or not he was allowed, you know, given an opportunity to step away at the end of the season, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but the fact that, that it ended the way that it did and that he went to Texas Mm -hmm. immediately after Mm -hmm. kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Um, and I think the choice to go to Texas was a hundred percent intentional because I do think like most football coaches, you know, there's a, there's a level of, of pettiness there of like, if, (laughs) If you're gonna do this to me, I'm gonna try to get you back for a yeah. moment, and and I'm sure there's some frostiness between him and Donati, and 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 rightfully so. Like 
the man effectively got fired, right? So, and, and it was the young, pushy kid who is, like, going 100 miles an hour into the wall that, that let go of the, the veteran, the savvy veteran who had get, is the reason the young, pushy kid even has the opportunity, right? right? And right. so, um, but I also think, so, so Gary attended the national championship mm-hmm. and he attended the Colorado game. We won't talk about if he's a jinx. We don't know that. But so far, it's not. It's not looking great. Um, but but when he was at TCU, it was the first time he's ever gone to a game as a spectator. He tailgated. He met up with his former players. His former players still love him. They're still super loyal to him. Um, I think the fan base is always excited to see him. I mean, he was mobbed during the entirety of the national championship game. People were so excited to go and, and visit him and say hi to him and take a picture with him. Um, I, I do think that there's, I think most people get it um, and still have a lot of respect for him um, and still appreciate the fact that he wants to be around. And if he was offered, you know, kind of a Bill Snyder-esque balloon or something of like a position emeritus or whatever. Steve's, like it. what Steve Spurrier does at Florida, yes. pretty much. Yes, yep. yeah. Bob, Bob Stoops when he's not coaching the XFL, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all of the things. Um, but I also think that if if Gary had a chance to go and take another job he would like if the right opportunity came along I think he would have no problem doing that I think he has a certain amount of loyalty to TCU but at the end of the day he is a football coach and he wants to coach football Um, I think it was fortuitous that Texas worked out because it kind of was a win-win for him um, until until it wasn't when TCU beat Texas but then he was very quick to turn around and congratulate the players and he was very gracious on social media and all of the things so uh, it, it's a very interesting dynamic, obviously, but I think that TCU leadership is smart enough and Sonny Dykes is smart enough that if Gary said, hey, I'm ready to take take that olive branch you extended a year and a half ago, I think that olive branch is still there for him to grab. And, and I think for most of us, that's what we'd like to see. Um, he's he's too important and he's too intertwined in the history of TCU to not be a part of its future. Um, but I imagine that it's difficult. I, I imagine last year was really, really difficult for him because it was his players, it was his guys, it was his program, and it was somebody else that that finally got to the place that he had been trying so hard to get to for a quarter century. I think TCU fans are immensely grateful for Coach Patterson. I don't think there's any hard feelings at all. Now, if you ask me if Coach Patterson has hard feelings for TCU, <laughs> now that's no whole other question, right? Sure, Maybe sure. you're going to ask that one, right? But... TCU fans, and myself included, are tremendously grateful for everything that he did. And now, I think people also thought that he probably was pushed out a little bit early. Because mm-hmm. usually a guy that has a statue on the damn campus, they get they get to retire in their 70s, not their 60s, right, into yep. the job. And people would just say, all right, you know, we can't continue to do this. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would say that, you know, he's held in the highest of regards. Like, if there's a such thing as a TCU football Mount Rushmore I mean, was he George Washington? You know what I mean? Like he's 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 that important to to us and 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 that program and where it is today. But I mean, man, you had to. I mean, those last three seasons, man. I mean, they were poorly coached. A lot of penalties. The defenses weren't as good. I mean, you get knocked around by SMU. I mean, come on. You know, what I mean, it was. It, I think people thought, man, I hope he just decides he doesn't want to do this anymore, yeah. or that he'll refresh yeah. it. But no, I mean, he's. We we love that dude, man. You know, I I don't and I don't think he would have lost Colorado uh, last weekend either. What do you think? How do you think he feels at this point about the relationship with this place that, you know, like you said, he has a statue of him. I think that eventually time will heal all wounds, and uh, you know, he still cares about the players. Like I know that he checks in on them. Like Max Dugan said, like during Heisman, he talked 
you know, talked to Coach P throughout the season and still had a relationship with him. I think that obviously, like, you know, whenever the athletic director, like maybe that's when he'll come back around and he'll feel a little bit better about the situation. But um, I don't, you know, I, I totally get why he's upset. He should be. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I built this. You all would not be in the Big 12. There's no way that you would have assembled enough talent and developed it to the point to get a national championship game without me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that, like, you know, on Saturday, that he probably, you know, sit back a little bit, pulled out the guitar, you know, had a little, <laughs> you know, uh, a little Johnny Walker, you know what I'm saying? You know, and, and, and probably was like, all right, I told you. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> so Gary was actually at tailgates for the TCU Colorado game. He was, like, wandering around M&G Carter Stadium ground, just be like, hey, remember me? Uh, I don't know if he stood next to the statue. Um, they... <laughs> For those of you that don't know, there is a statue of Gary Patterson out in front of TCU's football stadium. It is uh, three inches taller than he is, which I assume they did uh, out of politeness. Uh, but but he is still a legend. I mean, it, there are two major figures in TCU's football history. There's Dutch Meyer, who was the coach back in the 1930s when TCU won the, I think, 37 or 38 national championship. Coached Sammy Ball, Davey O'Brien, all those guys. Innovated a lot with the spread. And then there's Gary. And he brought TCU into the modern age out of the Mountain West, out of the Big East for two months, um, and, and, and then into the Big 12. And just really was a thorn in people's asses for several years. and was extremely fun. The thing about Gary is that it stopped getting fun when TCU started losing. Like all of the wild stuff he would say about Baylor, about Texas, whatever. That's all really cool when you're winning. When you're five and seven, hey man, it's like, how about you start figuring out um, how offense works or maybe hire an offensive line coach, things of that nature. So I think a lot of the TCU fandom intelligentsia, which I certainly don't you know, profess to be a part of, but there was a growing undercurrent of Gary needs to leave. Mm-hmm. Straight up. And... I think a lot of all mainstream TCU fans, that sounds super pretentious, but a, a lot of TCU fans are like, oh, Gary should stay as long as he wants. And the program was not going to get any better if he left. So him leaving and the way that he left, two weeks after he left, TCU beat Baylor with Chandler Morris at quarterback and ruined Baylor's undefeated season with, I think, Jerry Kale as the interim head coach. Pretty funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty good. Can't argue with that. And so it was like, okay, cool. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Leave. And I was very sad to see him take the Texas assistant or analyst gig. He's not doing that anymore. Right. I hope, like, I, I don't think anyone wants there to be lasting bad luck. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a path for Gary to have reconciliation and get back into TC Man's good graces. But it is really funny for now to be like, oh, you left and now we're good. Sorry. You should st- you should have stopped doing the weird stuff. And Gary, if you're listening to this and you haven't blocked me on Twitter yet, hit me up, man. <laughs> For yeah. my money, Ladanian Tomlinson is one of the most slept on college football players, and I would argue pro football players. But I can put that on the Chargers at least. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, maybe of modern times. What is Ladanian Tomlinson's place or? or a sense of honor, whatever you want to call it, within the TCU fan base at this point in time? I mean, I would say that 
there's a lot of people and pardon me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm out of the loop or whatever. His, he deserves a statue right next to Gary Patterson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he represents no less than the sa- He's the savior of our program. Like, I don't think people understand. I, I think I mentioned that I played college football. So yes. I was a running back at the same time that LaDainian Tomlinson was there. I remember TCU being banished from big time football, having to play in the whack. Uh, <laughs> Ryan. I think I've mentioned this before. We lost to Rice three or four years I was in college. Right. Okay. Right. You know, Rice. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so LaDainian Thompson comes there and reinvigorates the program and, he, you know, brings an attention to it that it had never really had before. But also, like, that is the foundation of the program that everybody sees today. Like, there was no, there was no sense that TCU might ever return to the big time at that point. And then LaDainian Thompson, you know, it, he didn't do it alone. They had great offensive lines really great defenses under Coach Patterson in those years. But, um, you know, I and I think certainly a lot of other people think that that dude deserves a statue right there on the stadium grounds because um, it could have totally gone another way and he was the fuel behind uh, the the rebirth of that program. Okay, so a couple ways that this could be answered. Mm -hmm. The first one is the funny one, and that's like, I don't know if honor and respect is the word, but all of the sorority girls that wear their oversized jerseys with the shorts you can't see and their cowboy boots, almost all of them are wearing fives. Okay. So we got that going for (laughs) us. Okay, you know what? In a lot of parts of the country, that is honor and respect. Yeah, so, so and I, guess, I live in I, I Nashville, that's so that's like you oh. throw a cowboy hat on it, and you're talking it's, about it's like, absolutely perfect. Yes. Yeah, with their crossbodies, all mm-hmm. the things, right? Mm-hmm. I was I was there on, and I have se- several former students at TCU, and I met up with a couple of them. Like, you don't even know who wore number five, <laughs> but I'm glad <laughs> that you have the jersey. I guess that works. Um, no, I, I, so I think the, one of the best things that happened, and this is kind of what I'm hoping Gary Patterson's trajectory ends up being at TCU too, is that Ladanian Tomlinson. When he was being marketed as a Heisman contender, TCU didn't know what it was doing. Mm -hmm. And so they tried really, really hard, but they had never had the opportunity and had a player this great, not in modern history, not since, you know, slinging Sammy Bond and, you know, the the real old Bob Lilly and all those guys. Um, And so they kind of tried really hard, but but fumbled the bag just a little bit and not for lack of of effort, just for lack of, you know, it was pure ignorance. Yeah. 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 And so they did the best that they could. Um, I, I think that, you know, Gary Patterson was there for part of that tenure. Um, and he's obviously not a guy who's, who's going to sit there and promote individual players. That's not his style. Um, and, and before was, um, uh, well, we, we won't, we won't speak, we won't speak ill of Dennis Franchione. Um, but I think Dennis Franchione was more interested in promoting himself, mm-hmm. um, which he promoted himself all the way to Tuscaloosa. So good yes. job, yes. um, which was awesome. But, um, yeah, so I think that, that. TCU fans, we, the team was was bad. They got decent. They got respectable under LaDainian Tomlinson's tenure. You know, he was a big reason that they made it. Uh, he, well, he wasn't even the starter. Basil Mitchell was the starter when they made that Sun Bowl. But but Tomlinson kind of started building. He, he showed that TCU could go and get great talent mm-hmm. to come to Fort Worth yeah. um, and that, that they could get people to believe in what TCU was building. Um, then he left and he went, to the, he went to the NFL and all of a sudden we couldn't wait to claim him again, right? Like I think just at, as a college player, nobody really knew who he was. TCU wasn't good enough. National media wasn't what, what it was. There's no social media, all of these things. But as a pro, everybody knew who LaDainian Tomlinson was. I don't know how many of those people could have told you he went to TCU. Right, right. So th- what's happened, what's been fixed, you know, in the in the year since he retired is he's become Jeremiah Donati and Crystal Conti before him did the really smart thing of saying, come back home. 
be a part of what we're building. And they put him on on the board of trustees. They've made him a special advisor. He's around campus. You know, he still lives in the area. He's actually coaching high school football at one in one of the suburbs in Dallas okay. right now. He's like an assistant coach. Um, but I think he's like an assistant coach of like, I'm LaDainian Tomlinson. I'll be here when I can. <laughs> I really like it yeah. and it's really fun, but also I have to catch a private jet to go to this award ceremony mm-hmm. tonight. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's, so, but, but it's great. Like he's still super involved in the community. Um, I think a lot of people think he's really cool and they like when they see him around, but young people are such prisoners of the moment sure. that I don't know if, if any, like how many of the younger generation truly understands how impactful he was and what a great college player he was. But when they see him around campus, they get really excited. Like he was at the Big 12 championship. People were losing their minds. You know, he's been at games. Like he's done the, one of the big things CCU does after the first quarter is they, they do the, the Riff Ram video, Riff Ram Bazoo is kind of our thing. And someone always ends it with give them hell TCU. And when it's LT, people, the whole stadium mm-hmm. loses their mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if there's enough reverence because just of when he kind of came into the scene, if he 10 years later, 12 years later, right. I think he would have been maybe even six years later, everywhere. frankly. Yeah. 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 And, and his highlights would have been all over, yeah. but you know, he kind of predates, I mean, the internet almost. Yep. yep. So, uh, but I do think people that know get it okay. right. And that, and that more people are trying to learn just how important he was. And the more he can be visible on campus, the more respect people will have for him. And that's kind of why I said, I hope it's the same thing with Gary is I hope Gary comes back in some kind of ceremonial role um, and is, is more decorated and more celebrated uh, for what he did because a lot of the younger generation just kind of goes, that's the guy that was, we were really bad when he was here while I was in college and we got really good when he left. And I don't think that tells anywhere close to the story of Gary Patterson. So I think he's underappreciated among TCU fans just as much as he is among the national conversation. A lot of TCU fans, me included, really didn't get into TCU football, as it were, until TCU won the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I think when I was there, which is from 2013 to 2016, half the student population was not from Texas. Okay. Um, a lot of California kids, a lot of Colorado kids. And so they don't really understand how dominant LT was in those years against playing people like UTEP or whatever. Like, kind of hard to gauge how good you are once you're just running for 400 yards against the minors. That's M-I-N-E-R-S, <laughs> not children. I want to make that very clear. But, no, LT is a legend. I mean, he he. everyone has respect for LaDainian Tomlinson. I just don't think people understand how dominant he was. And because we live in a, you know, let's call it what it is, right? We live in a quarterback age. People don't respect how good LaDainian Tomlinson is. And there are a lot of great running backs collegiately that have come through TCU. Um, great may be an overstatement, but... Guys that have done their job really well, and people compare them to LT stats, and at no point ever were either of those. Like Kyle Hicks, one of my favorite college players of all time, super underrated, not close to Daniel Thompson. Um, and Monty Bailey, who's there now, very good, not close to Daniel Thompson. So a lot of guys that, that, that have flash in the pan seasons, and people are like, oh, he's the greatest running back since LT. It, that, that doesn't make sense. There are no great running backs since LT. LT is the all-time TCU. Uh, he's the best. He okay. Let's take the playoff win over Michigan off the board. Yeah. What is the high point for TCU fans in oh. modern in modern program history? Rose Bowl. Okay. Talk, Rose Bowl, talk Rose. to me about why the Rose oh. Bowl is so important. Oh, I mean, it's just you. I mean, that is the top of the mind because I think even before then. 
TCU had lost to Boise State in a BCS mm-hmm. bowl game prior to that. And, and, and one like, of those, like, we're going to quarantine you two troublemakers. Yeah, over here. like, don't, yeah. don't cause any trouble. Don't you cause any more trouble for us, guys? You know, mm-hmm. bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, how real is TCU? They go undefeated. They've had all these great years and never really been rewarded for it. And so the Rose Bowl was a chance to play against the Big Ten. Now, beating Wisconsin is not the same as beating Michigan or Ohio State, admittedly, right? Um, but it's but, also not that far. It's not like, no. oh, this is the year Illinois got into the Rose Bowlers. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's not like we're playing against who, who's homeboy Banks uh, in Iowa. You know, it's not like <laughs> right, right. it's not that that random team. I mean, the, Wisconsin was is a really good program and they were really good that year. And to beat them in that venue on that stage, um, man, I just thought, I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons the TCU got into the Big 12, but I can't help but think that win helped to, you know, ease the entry, the reentry back into that cohort of teams. So, yeah, man. And I mean, I just, just personally watching the game that day, again, we started this talking about, oh man, like what is the experience of being TCU? So I'm like, how are we going to lose this game? Or how are we going to embarrass ourselves? And for us to have held on and beat a team that everybody thought was going to beat us up and everything yep. else. And yep. I mean, I've been watching the Rose Bowl my whole life. We're playing in it, and we're beat. We're going toe to toe with the Big Ten heavyweight, and we beat them. Bro, there's nothing that will ever do that. And I always say the TCU won the that. Like we didn't get crowned, but I always say TCU won the national championship in 2010. You know, sorry to Cam, sorry to Auburn, but <laughs> that's yo TCU won the national championship that year, as far as I'm concerned. Rose Bowl, easy. It was very much a hey, we're from this tiny. Tiny ass little conference. We're from Fort Worth, a town that no one thinks about because everybody thinks of Dallas. We're from Texas where there are so many great college programs and nobody thinks about TCU. TCU got left out of the Southwest Conference merging into the Big 12. Here we are in the Mountain West, yada, yada. And then here we are beating Wisconsin. And it was also the acme of what Gary Patterson thought football should be. Uh, I think that game ended 21 to 19 and TC won on a deflected pass from a linebacker who looks like a Madden creative player. Uh, <laughs> had the neck roll, <laughs> you know, had all the arm gear, right, shout out to Hank Carter. Right. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it was the most TC win of all time. And it also created one of the most iconic college football photos, which is the flyover where half the Rose Bowl is Wisconsin red, half of it is TCU purple. It attracted a ton of people to TCU. Mm-hmm. I think applications went up to 300%. I'm not making that number up, but I don't know the exact number after that game. And it it was everything that athletic department could have wanted in a 21 to 19, pretty awful game. If you're rewatching, not that fun. And TCU did it. Andy Dalton was the yep. quarterback. Ah, so, so many TCU. I think Jeremy Curley was on that team. So just a lot of remember that guy, guys in purple that beat Wisconsin. You know, JJ Watt led Wisconsin mm-hmm. team. So mm-hmm. a lot of two and three stars beating up against those uh, those big boys. <laughs> Easily the Rose Bowl. Easily, like no question. And I, and I think there are still some people that would say the Rose Bowl was more gratifying than, than, the, than beating the Michigan in the semifinal. Yeah. Wow. And, and I, I, I've gone back and forth and, and I, this kind of goes back to your earlier question about, you know, what, what is the personality of TCU? Mm-hmm. The Rose Bowl, the playoff run was improbable. It was improbable, but this is also a team that had power five resources. Yep. 
that recruited, you know, you've got a first round draft pick at wide receiver, you know, you've got four stars littering that roster, you know, you've got all the strength and conditioning, all the nutrition, all of the things, like every resource available to you did not make it an expectation for TCU, but, but made it, it's, it's like when, you know, when, when Washington or like, you know, Michigan State makes the playoffs. Michigan State. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, we didn't expect this to happen, but it, but we could kind of see but how the it path, did. The pathway is very clearly defined. If you yes. do, if you're in one of these conferences and you do X, you're going to get a playoff spot. You're going to get it. You're yes. going to get it. And if you're TCU, that, that X still has to be win your first 12 games. Yes, right. But but it was kind of a, we like, there was no surprise even after, when TCU lost the Big 12 championship, we all still knew we were going to the playoff. Mm-hmm. When TCU made it to the Rose Bowl, we needed Colin Kaepernick to play the game of his life yep. and Kyle Brotsman to miss a, a makeable field goal. Yep. And and I like I'll never forget that. Like I'll, I'll never forget being on the field as a photographer when TC beat Michigan and bawling my eyes out with the Fiesta Bowl mascot, um, which was one of the greatest moments of my life. But he was like, are those happy cheers? And my response, because if you haven't picked up on this now, I'm a total smart aleck, was like, you're a mascot. You're not allowed to talk. But yeah, they're happy. Che- they're happy cheers. Um, it's one of my greatest memories from that day. But 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 the Boise losing to Nevada, mm-hmm. I was on. I had been on a family vacation, and we were in the airport, and we we're going to get our bags. And like it's like super late at night, and my family's grumpy and tired because we've been traveling. Um, and I am like stopping at every airport bar to look at the score. Mm-hmm. And this is still like where like the ESPN app was like new. Yes. So right. I was like trying to refresh. I'm listening to the radio. I'm sitting there, and I'm in the back of my parents' car. When the kick, when they make the call that the kick is missed, and I just again, I started bawling, I, and my parents are like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I don't know that I've ever been better. Like this is, <laughs> like I don't think you under like we're going to the Rose Bowl. Right. Like we're and then I was living in California at the time. I got to drive down to L.A. seeing all of these purple clad people up and down Rodeo Drive. First of all, I made a ton of sense because again, TCU, but uh, it was just one of the coolest experiences being a part of the pageantry of the Rose Bowl. I mean, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing like the Rose Bowl. It is such a magical experience. Um, it, it feels a little bit more dated every year, but I still would not trade that experience for anything. Um, and and I think because of how improbable that opportunity was, made it so much more special. And even though TC had played in the Fiesta Bowl the year prior, yep. they were going to get to play a Power Five team, a powerful Powerful Five team. You know, Wisconsin yep. um, was was great that mm-hmm. year. Um, and then to see little old TCU rise up against the team that was this just like Michigan was supposed to be twice their size in the trenches and just absolutely maul them over and somehow pull off that that miraculous win. Um, it, it meant more because of when it happened. Yeah. Um, but the, the the college football playoff, I think because of where TCU is now because of that Rose Bowl win felt like kind of that next mountain to kind of to climb and, and cross that next big uh, checkbox to be able to mark off. So um, the Rose Bowl, if, if you're if you're going to take Michigan off the table, the Rose Bowl is easily number one. And, and I don't even know, like, how close number two is to that game. So now I have to ask you the flip side of this question. And well, I don't think Colorado is the game you're going to go with anyway, no. but let's say it's not. What is the low point? for TCU it's 6158 and I like I hate I hate to have to admit that yeah um and like I said there there have been some brutal losses Mm -hmm. um any TCU fan in a lot of college football and, and listen Ohio State was on an absolute tear but I think any TCU fan believes if they had gotten in to the playoff that year they would have won a national championship 
And and I don't think that that's hyperbolic to believe either. Uh, that team was so good, mm -hmm. and they were so red hot. And you had a generational talent at quarterback. We won't talk about what happened after, but we won't talk about the Alamo Bowl. Um, but but you had you had a, a, a get a first round talent at wide receiver didn't pan out, but was Josh Jackson was an elite college player. You had great running game. You had a great offensive line. You had incredible defense. You had a defense that had a knack for turning people over. That playoff field was weak outside of Ohio State. And if it had been TCU that gotten the invite over the Buckeyes, I think they would have absolutely mauled the competition just like the Buckeyes did. And it would have been a modern era, the first modern era national championship for TCU. And it all came down to a, a coach that wasn't that stayed stubborn to the end in a moment where they they should have changed things up um they should have done some things differently there was a couple very dubious calls and no calls mm -hmm. in that fourth quarter and then a kicker you know making making the field goal of a lifetime at a big moment um it, i like i i obviously like to talk i'm a very chatty person <laughs> from the moment that kick went through the uprights until the moment i got back in my house finished we like picked up food on the way back finished eating with a group of people and they all left i did not utter a single word it's like a solid five hours and with people the entire time and i did not not a word came out of my mouth um for that that's probably the longest stretch where i have been awake and not spoken um and i still like i have a little bit of ptsd when i when i think about it like it was because i think we all knew just how close how close TCU came to something that would have been absolutely magical and special. And uh, even, even making the national championship this year, like, like was still really, really incredible. But when you look at how that game ended versus maybe what could have happened in 2014, it's yeah. just like, man, like we really missed an opportunity there. And, and it all, all because of a three point loss at the team you hate the most. It's brutal. Okay. So there's two, and I don't want to be difficult here, but there's two different locals. That's, so that's one is like, okay, when when has this program hit its bottom in, in recent years? And that was a five uh TCU finished the season five and seven. It was 2019 and they lost to West Virginia at the end of the year. Um they had to win that game to get the bowl eligibility and gave up. Straight up. I was at that game. I covered it. It's one of the worst games I've ever seen in person. It was a gray, dreary late November day and TCU did not show up for the game. And that was when the cracks in the Gary Patterson era became wide gaps. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point where it's like something needs to change. And it took a couple of years for it to happen, but that was the low point in terms of on-field production. For vibes, let's call it, it was losing to Baylor in 2014, and I'm still mad about it, because the not for the reasons people think. This is the part where I get to okay. ramble. People complain, people complain that TCU should have been in the yeah. playoff in 2014. Yeah. That's not true. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's not true. Correct. Okay. Why is that not? I have, to, I have to ask. Why is that not true? So TCU lost head-to-head -to, -head to Baylor. And it finished with identical records, yada, yada. The head-to-head -head should have gone to the playoff. If there was a Big 12 team to go to the playoff that year, it should have been Baylor. It should not have been TCU. Okay. What people make the mistake about is to say, oh, yeah, Ohio State should have so Ohio State won the championship there that year, but shouldn't have made the playoff because the committee screwed us around. We were number three, dropped to number six, despite beating Iowa State. I don't know, fifty-two to three or whatever. Right, right. Florida State shouldn't have been in the playoff. <laughs> they, they, they were undefeated and had James Winston, but they were by far the worst team in the top yes. six. They should have been left out. But you can't leave Florida State out. Yada yada. 
that Baylor loss hurts tremendously because TC was up, see the 14 or 21 late in the game, and the referees missed two pass interference calls. TCU, like, boofed a punt coverage. Just terrible, terrible late-game management. And that wound up spoiling an incredible team. Like, Trevon Boykin turns out bad guy, electric college football player. So much fun. And that loss, like, literally TCU fans should probably go to counseling. after. Like, people should have gone to be Go read the Killer Frogs message boards. <laughs> it's a bad time. They still talk about it, and it's been a decade. These people have serious mental issues because of that game. And, like, I, I almost got into a fight with my dad over that game. Like, we were yelling about pass interference, and I'm like, it, it was a bad time. It was it's, not good. It's it's interesting because I think most fan bases, if you say, like, what is the low point? You pick something like a five and seven year, or you pick, like, you know, the first time you lost your right, like, you, you the first time you lost your rival in 20 years or something like this. It's fascinating to me that this is one of the answers, despite the year that it comes. Is it because it came in this year where everything felt so up and everything felt so possible? Like, like I, I, yeah, I, it's really wild to me. It, it is because that. Okay, so the the 2010 2011 team that that beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. Great team, all-time great team. I wouldn't really call them electric. Okay, yes. You know, they were just a really good football team. The 2014 TCU team was super fun to watch. Um, And so seeing them miss out on the playoff was really tough. It's like, hey, we're finally playing, like, a great brand of football. This was when Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham um, were, like, hitting their stride at offensive coordinator, which is a very short-lived stride, but a very fun stride. And uh, had a ton of great talent on offense, had a ton of talent on defense, and it was like, okay, this is the best we're ever going to be. If we can't make the playoff this year, then we're never going to make the playoff. And so for nine years, that's kind of what TCU fans thought. It was like, hey, our best team ever lost one game by three points and was ranked sixth. And that's it. And that was it. And that's it. That's it. How much? You know? How much did last year exercise those demons, if at all? So we're 26 minutes into this recording, and oh. I haven't talked about Max Duggan yet. Oh, yeah. um, but Max Duggan is sort of he, – he, he's a Christ-like figure. He sort of redeemed a lot of what TCU fans were uh, upset about. That team last year was super fun, and I, I think did do a lot of redemption for what happened in 2014 because there was a loss on the record, right? I mean, there was a close loss, yeah. um, losing to Kansas State in a Big 12 yep. championship game. But a lot of hearts and minds were won kind of a really good PR campaign by losing in a, a you know, a, a brave way. And so it, it, it made up a lot. It didn't make up all of it. I'll be honest with you, but it made up a lot. <laughs> okay. Beating Michigan was super fun, but I did love beating Michigan. That was really cool. Would you say is beating compare beating Michigan to the Rose bowl? Like, are they on the same level? Is one higher than the other? That's really tough. So I was not a TCU fan when they beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. But looking at the program historically, the Rose Bowl win was a bigger win. If you're evaluating, like, how does this build program, yep. the Rose Bowl was bigger. Yep. Michigan was just kind of more fun because that game was awesome. It was, like, ESPN still plays it. And that's the thing. ESPN doesn't play last year's championship game because it was so bad. 
what they play is this really great game between TCU and Michigan, in which TCU won. So we get to get the reruns on ESPNU and, and attract uh, viewers. Man, so I was thinking about this after the Colorado game, and I tried to compile a list of the worst losses since 2000. So they mm-hmm. lost to an FCS team in 2001, Northwestern State. They were the, they were, their only loss in 2006 was to SMU. So, but I don't think that counts. So there's two, right? Mm-hmm. It's either the national championship game, which okay. is humiliating. I mean, there's too many people watching. There's too many people watching for that to not have mattered, right? I mean, I know because I saw my DMs. I saw my text messages. You know, I know everybody, people that didn't care about my school before were like, yo, what happened to your boys, you know? <laughs> uh, and, it, and it confirms all of the worst insecurities that TCU fans have. Sure. Maybe we're really not as big time as we think we are. We, are. we don't belong Maybe, here. Yeah. We don't belong here. We don't have the grit, you know, necessary to, to, to build up with it. We don't have the athletes. Like, it confirmed everything. And I'd been saying the whole time, I was like, I wish there was a way we could beat Michigan and not have to play Georgia. Like, I knew this. The whole time, anybody that knows me, I was like, I do not want to play Georgia. That is terrifying. Please don't make that happen. Um, So that was – or the other one is 61 to 58 in 2014, the loss that kept TCU out of the playoffs. Um, It was 61 to 58 was against Baylor, and I went into overtime. It was a crazy game. And TCU was ahead by like 21 points in the fourth quarter, lose that game and lose their slot out of the uh, the playoffs. And that is really painful because I think that team was better than the team that played in the national championship mm-hmm. game. And I think they could have, I think they were legit contenders. I, I think maybe they could have won a national championship. I mean, we saw what they did to Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl right after that. Like they throttled them, like maybe one of the best Ole Miss teams in history. So um, that one was really painful because of what could have been. Uh, and also they're done at the Baylor, the Baylor done. Come on, you know that 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 also made it really hurt. So it's either the national championship game or sixty-one to fifty-eight. What is it about that fourteen team that you say, oh, this was this was the chance? Like, what what made them so good or so compelling that makes that one loss sting because of what it took away? Great defense. Like they had defense that the twenty twenty-two team did not have. Mm-hmm. Um, tr- as good as Max Dugan was, Heisman Trophy runner-up, I still think Trayvon Boykin was better, bro. You know, and we, you know, had uh, out on the out. We had a first-round NFL wide receiver, Josh Doxson. Um, yep. Great running backs as usual. So I mean, I think that team was just if it just on defense alone, that team could have stood up with some of the best. And um, that's what I just think was the lost opportunity because losing to Baylor doesn't hurt as much if you get a chance to play for it all. But yeah. that's the thing. And so, yeah, this team, it, I mean, again, Ryan, you were there. You saw all 2022. Like, everybody was like, they're good, but, I mean, come on. You know, like, we, I we mean, know, we yes, we the, color, the Colorado game was, if you just, if you didn't know the year, and you said, oh, this is a game TCU played in 2022, the only difference would be the ending. The only difference yes. would be TCU <laughs> would get the last stop. TCU would get the last score, yes. and they'd still only win by four or whatever. Like, yes. the, like nothing about it felt like, oh, this is significantly different from the TCU we are used to seeing in the last year. Absolutely. In the fourth quarter, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen is they're going to get one more stop and maybe get a field goal, score on the last, and maybe, you know, they'll, they'll make one last stand and win by five. Mm-hmm. You know, something. I, I kept expecting that because I saw it all last year. I was like, yes. you know, we're getting away with it again, but eventually yep. you don't get away with it. Right. And t- I mean, technically, they didn't get away with it all last. They didn't, they didn't get away with it against Kansas State. 
right? Like, yeah. I, you know, it didn't. Ha- it it didn't. Like you're saying with with Baylor, it mattered. It kept them out of the playoff. It didn't matter against Kansas State, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, the whole thing. And you don't get me started on Sunny Dice, but <laughs> I mentioned that I was old. I say it a lot. I like football teams that can impose their will. Sure. Like that's the way I like football. TCU yeah. just can't do that. Like not in, not in this iteration of them. And it's just like well, when you can't impose your will against anybody, you're going to be slinging around with all the worst teams in the league. You know what I mean? I mean, we played a close one to Oklahoma State, and they were horrible last year. Kansas. I don't care how good Kansas is. They're still Kansas. Another yes. tight game. So it's just, come on, man. Yeah. Georgia would have killed Kansas. Anyway, so I just, I'm trying. <laughs> I, I want to be a positive fan. I love my school. You see, I'm wearing my colors mm-hmm, today. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, sometimes talking about it, when we having Sonny Dykes and we could have had Dion. Sometimes it hurts me. So I went and found that Daryl K. Royal quote about TCU. It's from 1961 after a Horned Frogs team that only beat two other teams that year knocked off number one Texas in November, effectively ending their race for the national championship. Quote, they're like a bunch of cockroaches. It's not what they eat and tote off. It's what they fall into and mess up that hurts. Now, he didn't really know it at the time, but Royal was accurately predicting TCU's future as a college football program, surviving after the disintegration of the Southwest Conference, holding on against Wisconsin in that Rose Bowl, clawing its way back to the Big 12. Even parting ways with the most important coach in modern history didn't kill Horned Frogs football. But at the same time, life as a cockroach isn't glamorous or without peril. The bottom does fall out for TCU from time to time, and the same thing that makes them an awesome Cinderella story maybe keeps them from becoming more permanently entrenched as a college football power. Thanks to Joel, Grant, and Melissa for joining me on this episode, and shouts as always to Michael Serber for the incredible work he does producing our show. I have two requests for you, listener. Number one, tell a friend about our show, or tweet about it, or do whatever it is people do on threads. I don't know. Number two, go to YouTube and find some Ladanian Tomlinson highlights to watch, because it's really just bonkers how much better he was than basically every defender he faced. That's all for this episode. Special thanks, as always, to our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. And next week, it's time to learn about Michigan men and women and people, Michigan people. 